Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett coming to you from uh, the Dented Recording Studio. Guys, I did a gig, all right, on Saturday, and it was shit. It was just shit. Let me tell you something. You go to these shows, these corporate shows, I tell you what. They're like, and I should be like, oh, thanks so much for having me. They're, they're not listening to this podcast. And if they are, they need to hear this. All right. These corporate gigs, it's 50 50. I would say generously 50 50 if you're a dead man walking, going into these things. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, Seinfeld, Gaffigan, Louis C.K. Well, I just, he's not allowed to be doing stuff anymore. But other people, Bill Burr, doesn't matter. I it's just you're not getting you're not getting a good show out of some audiences. It's just not gonna happen. Went out last night because this is Sunday. What's the date? Let's just start date dating these podcasts. I just belched a little bit in my mouth. So uh there you go. You're welcome. Anyway, it's Sunday the eighteenth of November. So this was Saturday the 17th of November. And uh, first of all, the the guy who booked the gig, I did not get any information about the show whatsoever. And I mean none. To the point where he wrote me an email saying, are you still good for tomorrow? And he wrote that on Friday. And I was like, yes. Where is the show? And he was like, is that the casino? What casino? The like on that that level, so I, I wasn't expecting much going in, and um, and sure enough, I got it. Now there was lots of people there, a couple hundred people probably for some charity, some fucking charity, and uh, that's the thing, right? You think they're good people? You think you, you guys are running a charity, so you're you're going to be good people? Where is where is your nice feelings for me? See, they were an animal charity i guess they don't care for the humans because when the humans show up to entertain them they're like uh go fuck yourself you're not a dog or a cat don't really want to listen to you so um also the audience it wasn't all their fault there was a few people that were super listening and super great but most people were just chatting or on their phones and uh so what what made matters worse much worse, was that all the lights were on. There was no spotlight. So it was, the room was just lit up like a regular hotel conference room, except it was in a casino. And uh, just nothing to indicate whatsoever that there's a show or to draw people's attention to the stage. That's what you need, you know? And then there was no microphone. Well, there was a microphone, but it was attached to a podium, like you were going to give some kind of fucking valedictorian speech, you know? Except... You know, you to a to a group of people who think you shouldn't have been the valedictorian. They want you to sit down. It was um, so. Uh, luckily, one of the guys at the hotel was running a wedding across the way, whose music was super loud and bleeding into our you know room. But they, look, that's not his fault. That they're having a wedding. But anyway, and that guy was nice enough to go grab a microphone and then hook it in to uh, where the podium mic was. So we at least ended up with a microphone. But uh, that took a while. 
which was a bit awkward for everybody. And then it was all the lights were on. And uh, people were just a uh, big spacious room. People not ready. Not ready for a show. Didn't want a show. Too bad. We were paid to do it. So we got up and we ate shit. With me and the other comic. He was a funny kid. And by kid, I mean another 40-year-old man. But it's just he's been doing comedy less time than me. So he's a kid. That's how this works. And um, he just... He got, he got laughs. I got laughs. We got laughs. People laughed somewhat where they were supposed to but it was just such little laughter and when you're working so hard to try to get anything out of them and of course that has to be squeaky clean because everyone had their fucking kids there for some reason it's just and go ahead and have a celebration where you take your kids but what why are you hiring comedy you know here the here's the weird part my highest paying gig so far of the year was that one you know what i mean it's just the, the worse the gig, the more money. It's like hazard pay or some shit. You know, it's just this is a, a lesson to you out there. If you got a hobby that you're passionate about, perhaps it's stand-up comedy, perhaps it's painting, photography, maybe you compose a little music in your spare time. Let me tell you something about turning pro, all right? Your hobby will lose its joy. It, it will be joyless. Because it becomes work. And I'm not saying all of my stand-up comedy is joyless. But I'm saying the one, the parts that really pay the bills, yeah. A lot of that is shit. And you got to just put up with it. And it eats away at you. You know? Like, I love photography. I am into photography right now. And I really think, because I always think this of every endeavor I take, I could be the world's greatest I I really, I do feel like I could make a living, well, let's say equal to what I've done in stand-up comedy, which, you know, that's a low bar, but equal to that in photography. I think I could do it, but I'm not going to because I have learned my lesson in that if there's something you love to do and it, it, it fills you with wonder and magic, leave it as your hobby. If you get money from it somewhere down the road, fine, take it. But don't ever consider it your job. You know? Because it, it, there's just too much shit that comes along with it. It's just, that's it. You take these high-paying gigs, and then you just hate yourself afterwards. The truth is, for me, it's much worse. I was telling this to uh, the other comic on the way there. It's much worse for me leading up to the gig because I was driving there telling him, you know, I didn't expect much. I didn't, I really didn't think it was going to go great. And it wasn't one of these self-fulfilling prophecies like, well, Mark, that's your problem. You didn't think it was going to be good. So it was good. No, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. It's just, I, I've done enough of these. You can see the writing on the wall. Now, if it had been good, I would have taken that nice surprise, but I was pretty sure it was going to be what it was. And uh, now the other comic, he didn't share my view. He's like I said, he's been doing it less time than me. Right. So he he's still optimistic about this shit. And um, and I let him have it because God forbid I didn't want to, you know. Yeah. And so he's like, I really think I've, I've done a few shows with this booker before. I mean, they're, they're usually really great shows. I said, well, that's great news. That's what I said to him. Because let's just 
get on the optimism train, even though in my mind I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to see, aren't we? And sure enough, I was, it was my, that was my thing that was right, not his thing. And, uh, what are you going to do? You know, it's not all bad. Like on the way home, you're totally relaxed. You're just bitching about the show. Nice to have another comic. I have have a couple of shows left before Christmas. These Christmas corporates where you make the majority of your goddamn money. I have two of them by myself. You got to go out by yourself and stand up for like an hour. One of them's a a birthday party. Oh, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? Like, look, I would love more than anything for those gigs to go great. I mean that. But I really, I know, I know what, what history has told me. She just, you know, it's like, hey, maybe you'll run into a Nazi who turns out that he's a nice guy who's totally racially tolerant. That's always possible, you know? He's a Nazi in name only, but his behavior is, is that of, of, a, of a caring individual. Always, always could happen. So a Christmas corporate where you're by yourself at a birthday party, who knows? Could turn out to be a wonderful show. But chances are that Nazi's an asshole, and chances are that show is going to be shit. I don't know. Let's let's move on to warm. Let me let me ask you this, and you can write it in the comments. Send me emails. Do you like it more when I'm in a better mood, or or in a bad mood and bitching? My friends seem to enjoy my ranting and raving when I'm complaining about things. And, uh, but I mean, when I'm listening to other people's entertainment, other people's podcasts and their comedy, they're usually in a good mood. And I kind of like that. I kind of like hearing people upbeat, you know? So, so if you'd like to hear me more upbeat, you let me know. Now, there is also a third option, and that is I can complain about shit while I'm being upbeat. I mean, that's that I can do. In fact, I think that's the only option. There's two options now. I I have realized there's no way I'm going to be chipper and not complaining about shit because that's what I do. So you can have chipper complaining about shit or angry complaining about shit. You just you guys let me know what you prefer and I will do that. You know what? This podcast doesn't make me any money. I do it. I do it every week. Well, I missed last week. So I do it mostly every week. This is a labor of love. But I, if I, I bet if I got those goddamn corporate sponsorships, those commercials and stuff that get you the money, who knows? This would turn into some, some huge chore, you know, and then I'd stop wanting to do the podcast. I'll say no to those millions when they come rolling in. They're like, Mark, your podcast, we love your upbeat complaining. Here, take our money. Advertise Squarespace or or whatever else people advertise. You you watch YouTube, fucking that Squarespace. They're they're advertising everything. You let me know. Speaking of YouTube, me and the boy, my son, Sam, who's the one I do these gigs for. He's not, he is, I guess, in a sense. I I was saying this to the other comic. I hate doing shows that go like this. I hate it. And I, I'd almost like to cut them out. But I don't have... If I had something to replace them with, 
you know, if I was running my own theater show or some shit like that, like every every month, then maybe I'd stop doing these corporates. But since I'm not doing that, I'm not generating income from that, then I have to go do these things. And I was saying to him, you know, it's not that you do it for the money for the kid because me and the wife are okay money-wise. We're getting by. You know, we haven't made stupid moves in the last few years. We haven't bought a house that was way too expensive. So we, we rent. We, we put away money. We should be okay if we continue to make these prudent, practical decisions. So, but what, what, I'm, what I want to do is show the boy that I'm putting in an effort. You know what I mean? Even if, even if I hate doing certain aspects of it, not shy away. Sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do, like put on your pants in the morning. This is something my son hates to do. But I tell him, listen. I'm going out to those fucking hell gigs, all right, standing up there in my socks at a birthday party or at some goddamn casino conference room talking to a bunch of charity people who who want me dead. You could at least put on your fucking pants, you little bastard, right? It shows him. He's looking at me going, you know what? Dad gets out there and slugs it out. He, look at him. Losing bits of his soul and his self-esteem nightly. And he's still out there doing it. I'll do the same thing. Maybe I shouldn't teach him that lesson. Now that I think about it. Just fucking walk away from shit you don't want to do. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the better lesson. Or choose a career, you know, that where you don't have to do stuff like this. Like I'm too far into it now. There's no going back. 40 years old, 16 years in. What am I going to do? Right? You can't just revert course. Why? Well, I'm going back to school. I'm a, I'm a mature student, hanging out with all those tarts and hussies and and jocks. You know what? Am I going to join a frat? What is this? Some kind of fucking uh, Seth Rogen movie? I'm not doing that shit. I uh, I'm going to stay home with my two kids. And do stand-up comedy, and I'll retire when I'm 55. That's my, this is my thought. I'm going to retire when I'm 55. But anyway, I was talking about the YouTube for a second. Me and the boy, we've been watching Mickey Mouse. And I tell you what, if you haven't seen the new Mickey Mouse, then you are missing out. I've always hated that goddamn mouse. I've hated him and, and the whole works of him. Donald, I liked a bit because he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know? He was he was happily complaining. But Mickey Mouse was always so frigging, you know, everything was so cutesy. Disneyland, none of it does it for me. It's all so frigging uh what sterile and boring. But these new ones, they're they're drawn exactly like Ren and Stimpy. And in fact, they might as well be Ren and Stimpy episodes. They're they're gross. They're violent. They're uh, I I had to stop the boy from watching them because he's only two. But and they I felt like they were a little too mature. But I'm loving them. I watch it. I go. This is what is this? This is friggin' and and, and I, I look it up and people are saying you some people you don't realize. When Mickey first came out, all that Steamboat Mickey shit, like back in the day when they came out, they were weird. They were this surreal, crazy bullshit. 
you know, and, and then it turned into the cutesy, let's make $6 trillion a month, this machine, you know, run by the anti-Semite. Man, a lot of, a lot of anti-Semitism talk here in the, oh, I just realized I probably got all flagged on Apple saying things like Nazi and anti-Semitism. But yeah, Walt Disney, in case you don't know, is, uh, it's a, I don't know if it's a fact, but let's just say it is. That he was he was a rabid anti-Semite, but uh, you'd never tell from the from the Mickey Mouse Disneyland. So boring, so cutesy, but this new one, I don't know. So good, man. You gotta you gotta check that out. It's it's really messed up and and funny, like laugh out loud funny. So. I don't know, maybe I'll go to Disneyland. If Disneyland is like that, coming up soon, all fucking crazy and messed up, I think I'll think I'll check it out. And since I last talked to you guys on the podcast, besides watching Mickey Mouse and doing shit gigs, I uh, I painted our apartment. Yes, with the help of my wife, she did a minor portion of it. I did the major portion. And to be fair, her minor portion came out much better than my major portion. Should have let her do the whole fucking thing. We painted it two different shades of gray. Of gray. That's what she told me we were getting at Home Depot. Turns out there are two different shades of blue. That's what they look like to me. But I, don't, I could be colorblind. I don't know. At this point, I don't give a shit. I tell you what. I'll get back to this in a second. I, I am finding it difficult to give a shit about myself right now in terms of, you know, taking care of myself, eating right, exercising. I know I need, like, I need to more than ever because I'm getting older and I got kids. You know, so, but it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's not so much that I'm getting unhealthy. It's I'm not looking in the mirror is the best way to describe it. I just, I wake up in the morning, I go about my day. I got, I got, I got a kid to schlep around. You know, I got to get him to the trampoline park. Oh, let me tell you about trampoline park in a minute. Well, I got to, I got to do shit with the kid so like before i know i look in the mirror you know at seven o'clock in the evening and i realize oh i've been wearing a like a pajama top inside out all day that that with a stain and a hole and oh and the fly was open the whole time and these socks clearly are not the same and these shoes need to be thrown out so that that is what i'll notice when the day is over and uh, my response to that is, uh, who gives a shit? Who cares? But I got I, I got to try a little bit. I can't be that guy who just totally let himself go, you know? Where the guy is buy, still wearing the 1970s jeans. Even though, I don't know if I've said this before. I don't know why people, when they see someone wearing jeans that are out of style, well, I don't know who, why you're shitting on those people. Now that I'm older... I know the difference. That means that man is wearing a pair of jeans that he bought 30 years ago. Number one, he, he, he's fiscally responsible. Number two, he takes care of his things. Number three, most importantly, he still fits in those fucking jeans. Let me tell you something, kids of today, who are blaming the guy for wearing his 501s. That guy, let, let's see what you look like in 30 years. Let's see if you fit into your jeans in 30 years, saying goddamn ones you're wearing right now. 
ones that are showing your G-string and got the, the frayed fucking things on the kneecaps and whatever else you're doing. Anyway, what was I talking about? All right. So I was going to do the trampoline park, right? No, I'll do that after I was doing the painting, doing the painting thing. And uh, it's just, you know, we're gonna, we got to stay in this apartment. We have to. This is, this real estate thing is just, you know, you guys have heard me bleed on about this fucking thing. Not going to do it. Not buying into the worst time in uh, Canadian history to buy something. It's just prices are coming down in Toronto. Sure. Play, places we're looking at, instead of $1.8 million, are $1.2 million. But did you hear the numbers I just said? Instead of $1.8 million, they are $1.2 million. And people talking about it's a, oh, what a time to get into the market. For who? The Rockefellers? Jesus Christ, right? We all don't have Walt Disney money. He's about the only guy who could afford a goddamn detached home anywhere near to 416. Anyway, painting the house because we're going to stay there. And uh, unfortunately, this apartment, it's just, there's plaster from the years of tenants who have lived there. And it hasn't been done well. And I don't have some kind of industrial sander that can sand off all the bumps and nicks and problems that have gone through 60 years of paints of coats of paint, paints of coat. I, I So I just painted over that shit. I, I sanded down some stuff as best I could, and I painted it over. So now the walls, while they look better and fresher, we have to hang up art, A, because you have to. You don't want to be just walking around with nothing on the walls. You know, you you got to make it look like you live there. But B, we have to now to cover up. I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess the light gray, bluish thing, it just makes it show up better than the than the eggshell. Like, so they used to have this gross color eggshell, oil-based paint, I guess, all over the goddamn walls. And it sort that sort of hides the flaws. It blends, it either blends them in or because the walls look so disgusting, you just avert your eyes. Ah, I hate that color. I'm not looking over there. So you don't notice. But now when they were a nice, cool gray, you can see the bumps better. So even though the apartment looks newer, fresher, like, like it's got a little zest of life into it, now you can see the bumps more. And also, I'm a terrible painter. This I found out. I mean, that's no surprise. I mean, I've, I've only painted one other thing in my life. That was my boy's room a couple years ago. So I went to paint this one. And because we've got that shitty, I, I don't know what it is, oil-based paint or this thick fucking bullshit, you just, it requires so much goddamn paint to paint over this wall. So I'm just shellacking this shit on. And I'm leaving like little spots here and there because, you know, there's only so much paint you can get on a wall in, in, in a pass. And so then I go, I, I do the second coat. And then there's still some places that need some touch-ups. So I go touch them up. I do a little touch-up. And every fucking touch-up I did, you can still see them. You can still see, like, the brush strokes and shit. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Isn't that life for you? You know, you kind of get excited about the prospect of doing something. I gotta put my nose to the grindstone. Me and the wife, we worked all weekend. Just, just putting our heads down. 
moving the furniture, doing it in between Sam's naps and when he went to bed. You know, staying up till 1 in the morning, then I popped up at 8 in the morning, and I kept going. Fucking worked my ass off. And then you start to look at it going, yeah, I think this is really coming together. And then the whole thing dries, and you're like, this isn't perfect. Ah, what was the point? Now, I'm like that. I was... The other comic I was I was driving with, he's he's a he's a much calmer person than me. And he was telling me he did a 10-day silent meditation. No joke. 10 days silent meditation and it's free apparently. There's in Toronto anyway. You can just go do this thing and when you're done, you can contribute money to it if you want. And the whole thing is funded by previous students who found it helped their lives so much. And this kid, by the way, kid, this 40-year-old comedian, who, but he only started a few years ago because he was an engineer, and he decided to get into comedy, and since then, he's won two of the biggest contests that we have here in Toronto, and maybe it's because of his 10-day meditation, right? Other than his talent, it's just that there are other talented people, but they can't get out of their way. They, they're, the, the anxiety, it gets you, man. Like, these, these gigs I have, these Christmas corporates, they're fucking giving me anxiety for just weeks, weeks ahead of time, because I I know chances are what I'm walking into. So he was telling me, you got to do the the 10-day meditation. I'm like, I can't do that. I have a child and a pregnant wife. I can't just leave for 10 days. Although maybe they'd be happy, like, yes, fucking go for 10 days if that's going to make you calmer when you come back. But he was telling me, you know, you, you you do the meditating. You do... So I'm going to try to do a little bit more of that to to calm down because it's like the painting thing. I just, I get it in my head that we need to do something. And then I start doing a ton of research because it's got to be perfect. I've got to do it right. And then I do it. And of course, it's not perfect. It's not even great. It's okay because I don't have a lot of experience doing these things. And then I get very down on myself. Because of that shit. And that's just like, that's all, if you were doing the cock and ball torture, the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, if you were doing that type of psychology, like that would be all distorted thinking and and, and ways to pervert your own, you know, thought process so to make yourself feel bad when you shouldn't. You should feel good that you went out. Like, I here's the thing. So they would say reframe the cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was telling this to the comic who was talking about the meditation. He was saying that they are often, there's quite related to cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, He's a smart guy. And he was saying that, you know, you, you, you get distorted thinking. So the meditation, it gets you, you basically end up on, look, it is what it is. It's kind of like the phrase that you sort of repeat. Things are what they are. So you, you just, you go with it. And, in cognitive behavioral therapy, they're saying a lot of times you're interpreting shit incorrectly, and that's your problem. So you have to reframe your your thought process. So instead of me being anxious, you know, I could say, hey, I'm going to get some money. This thing will be over in 45 minutes. And isn't it nice that I've gotten to a point in my career where people call me out of the blue and say, could you please come entertain us for an hour, even though you won't entertain us for an hour because we'll be pissed off that you're there for some reason. Because the thing is, I tell you what, if I ran the world, guys, 
It's not these people's fault, and it's certainly not my fault. Someone as talented as me? No, but I really don't think it's my fault. I mean, possibly Robin Williams. God rest his soul. Perhaps he, because I, I just know some comics who worked with him, some older guys, and they were saying he could turn around any room. He was, because he would run into the audience and be grabbing people by the hands and standing them up and dancing on their chairs. And, like, he, he just had this infectious energy. But, I mean, we also, this Robin Williams, right? Oscar winner, one of the great comics of all time. Whether or not you find him funny, one of the great comics of all time. Sure, sure he killed himself. So there's a lesson in there somewhere about distorted thinking. Am I right? He should have been doing the old cognitive behavioral therapy. That's what he should have been doing. But he didn't. At least I don't think he did. So, you know, you can look at it to reframe it. Hey, you know, you, 15, 16 years ago when you started out saying, hey, I'm going to step on stage for the first time. Here you are at 40 years old, being paid nicely to go to a casino to, to entertain a few hundred people. Sure, it didn't go great, but you had no control over that. It is what it is, right? And just like the apartment, instead of going, ah, this doesn't look like a professional came in here and sanded the walls and made the, made the, the trim perfect and did the perfect lines on the ceiling and didn't have any little brush strokes that you could see, But instead of that, you could say, hey, I painted the apartment. It looks better now. Isn't it nice that we spruced up the place? Isn't it nice that we did something for ourselves? You got to reframe. That's why I like doing this podcast. Because uh, I'm, I'm not telling you this stuff. I'm telling me this stuff. You know? There's clearly, clearly I look at shit wrong. Until I start talking it out loud, then um, I just I just let it swirl around in my head. I don't know if you're like that, but I am. Oh, yeah, and so the trampoline thing. All right, so there's this place in Toronto. I mean, they're all over the place. There are these trampoline parks. I don't think I talked about this on the podcast, but um, you just you just take take your children to these trampoline parks and then they bounce around and then they get tired. And then they go to sleep. It's wonderful. And now, granted, they're horrifically dangerous. I uh, watched a documentary on it, unfortunately. My wife made me watch it. And, uh, and it was about the actual, <laughs> the actual trampoline parks that I'm taking my boy to. And people get really injured. People, people have died. You know, not, uh, not a kid, but a, an, older, uh, a, an older gentleman in Calgary. He was... Um, in his 40s, I think, but he just tried to do a flip. If you do flips into the foam pit, that's what a lot of people like to do. If you land wrong, you can get really hurt. So, but like, I take my boy to toddler time. They can't jump. They can't even get into the foam pit. They they can just bounce a little bit on the trampoline. I'm standing right next to him. I'm not saying there's no possibility of an injury, but there's always a possibility of an injury when you do any kind of sport, Right. And this, it really, it's been good. I've been taking them, you know, twice a week. Got a membership for a year for a $99. Be able to take a kid twice a week to a place for $99 for the whole year? Let them jump around on the trampolines? Oh, my God, it's been great. Except the kid's there. 
they're always on me. They're always on my ass. The 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 ones who uh, run the place, they're like 17, 18 year olds, and they come over. They're like, "Hey, man, you can't jump." I was like, "I'm not jumping." Do I look like a man who wants to jump on a trampoline? I have a two-year-old next to me. I am just showing him that he's supposed to jump and bend his knees. They're like, yeah, yeah, but the thing is you can't jump. I'm like, will you shut your fucking kid mouth? Go home. Eat at Snickers bar or uh, some Skittles. Buy the new Air Jordans or whatever it is you fucking kids do. I am an adult man here with my child. Okay? And then, like, the actual rules that are there, like, they say no running, kids don't run, and they don't, no running, no chasing, no kids jumping on the same trampoline, because they have a million different trampolines, so it's one trampoline per kid, and they don't let, they ignore all that. The other day, I saw a three-year-old face down, while three other four-year-olds were just jumping up and down, and they were just jumping on this kid. And he was just like yelling, someone get me. Until his mom finally went over. Like I literally, I was walking over going, guys, this isn't good. This kid's going to get hurt because I saw the documentary. And finally the mom seeing me go over, she goes over and picks up her kid. For fuck's sake. Negligent asshole. But do the teenagers with their sneakers, do they say anything to them or to the parents? And then and then the parents organized a race. I kid you not. They organized it. And they said, run all the way around all the trampolines, run as fast as you can, and then you come all the way back to us, and whoever high-fives me first wins. And so these kids are tearing around, and my boy, he's got enough sense to bolt. Every time he sees them coming, he takes off running the other way. And I'm like, that's right, Sam. Those are good survival instincts, buddy. These fucking kids don't have the sense they were born with, and their parents... Obviously, they're not following the rules. And for some reason, for some reason, the teenagers who are running this place, they don't feel the need to correct them, but they're watching me like a hawk. I don't know what's plastered all over me. There's always been something on my back. Come talk to me. Sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's that. It's like, hey, let's go pester this man. It's like that's written on my forehead. Pester me. If I'm, if I'm in a mall, old ladies will just sit down next to me on a bench and start talking. Or people will ask me for directions, which, of course, I never, never have the answer to. Or they'll just, or if, I, if I'm in a store, people will come up to me and go, how much is this? I'm like, I don't work here. And then I have had this. I said that. People, people, hey, well, how much is this? I said, I don't work here. And the guy said, yeah, I know. Like that, it's, I have that face. Please come talk to me. I will, I'll do whatever you want. Come on. And so I think when the, these kids, they feel like they need to do something for their job. So they're like, ah, let's go talk to that guy who's standing there, standing on a trampoline, bending his knees, literally bending my knees. Not even, didn't, wasn't even getting any air. Sir, you can't, you can't jump on the trampoline. I'm not jumping on the trampoline. Yeah, dumb piece of shit. Anyway, it's been a great time. At the trampoline park. We, we we have done it. And it has been fun. I recommend it to people. But I will say. As much as I recommend it to you. Uh, maybe watch the documentary. So that. I, I, what documentary? I don't know. Just look up. Dangers of trampoline parks. Or something like that. I'm sure you'll find several documentaries about it. That way you just know the dangers going in ahead of time. You know. It's like in hockey. You don't hit people from behind. 
because everybody knows. So, so when to protect yourself, you don't stand a few feet away from the boards with your head down. You got to be smart. You got to go into the corner, with, with pressed up against the corner. So yeah, maybe you'll get hit, but you're not going to go crashing head first into the boards. You know what I mean? You got to you got to know the problems to avoid the problems. That's all I'm saying. Now, last thing I'll tell you before I get going is uh, the boy has lost his babysitter. All right? And uh, let me tell you something. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. We, Sam's first babysitter, he loves her, still loves her, still asks about her. But we got this new one, and uh, let's say it felt like she wasn't fully invested she she was she's been, she's over here from France, you know. She's trying to get a real job. She's trying to work full time. So I think when she was at our place, she just she kind of had the world on her shoulders. You know what I mean? She seemed like she was stressed, and the boy just didn't like her. He just she would come in, and he would just go no no no, and then he would point at the door, and then he would say, "Can she go to work?" Can she go to work? And what he means by that is when myself or Sam's mother leave, uh, the reason we're leaving is to go to work. So when when Sarah leaves in the morning, she says, I'm going to work now. I'll see you later. Or if I'm going out to a show, I say, I'm going to work now. I will see you later. So when this new babysitter shows up, he he just kept saying, can she go to work? And I would say, Sam, unfortunately, she's at work. This is her work. I'm sorry, boy. And then he would cry when I would leave. And I'm like, this is no good. You know, we don't want that shit. We didn't want him stressed out about it. And uh, and I thought he'd warm up to her. But it just got worse. It just got worse. And now, and I don't think anything bad happened because he can speak pretty well. So he tells, like, the other day when I came home from the coffee shop, he said, ah, oh, I hurt my bum. And I was like, oh, Really? And she was like, yeah, he just bounced on the couch and he hurt, and he hurt his butt right there on the thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, he does that all the time. So, like, you know what I mean? If she was, like, hanging him out the window by his ankles, I'm sure he would tell us. So I don't, I don't think anything happened. I just, I think maybe it was unfair to this new one because he liked the old one so much. I think that he was just kind of pissed off that she wasn't there. So we've contacted the old one. And by old, I mean his previous babysitter. She's quite young. And, um... She has agreed to come back every now and then and babysit because she loves him and he loves her and uh, it makes everybody happy, you know? Now me, I'm not going to the gym. I'm not doing anything. Now I'm just full-time at home. So what I really need to do is work during his naps, but I can't do it, guys. I can't do it. I'm too goddamn sleepy. If anyone out there, so there's two things you need to write in about. Number one, do you like me um, happily complaining or angrily complaining? Number two, can you suggest something to give me some goddamn energy? I don't care what it is. If you're a Wiccan and you got some kind of sage that you think I could sprinkle into some fucking green tea, I will drink that shit. Whatever you think I need to do to get some goddamn energy, I will do it. Because the only thing that gets me through life is adrenaline. It's from excitement or anger. Those are the only things that get me going. So either I'm pissed off, like I am now, about that show last night, and I got a, a just bile, 
spewing out of me or I'm excited about something. You know, that I, that really jazzes me. And as I get older, there's a lot less things I'm excited about. You know? But I'm going to try the meditating. We'll see how that goes. I doubt that'll give me more energy, but you never know. The deep breathing, I think, is supposed to help the, the lymphatic system. So maybe it will. I don't know. I'm going to go upstairs, do some deep breathing, get a beer. Get a beer. I'm excited about the beer. That gives me some energy. And then I get sleepy. Thanks so much for listening. This is Mark Bennett. I'll uh, talk to you again soon. I'll let you know how the rest of these goddamn Christmas gigs go. All right. Oh, wait. I should tell you, if you're in the Toronto region, gigs I really am looking forward to doing is I'm headlining uh, the week of the 26th at Absolute Comedy in uh, Toronto. So the whole week of November 26th uh, from Tuesday to Saturday, I will be at Absolute Comedy in Toronto. Uh, Just go to absolutecomedy.ca and uh, yeah, come on by, right? So thanks for listening. See you later. I said shut up. Good night.